0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Tis the season for trades we've got a lot of trade discussions to get into today let's go it's not december 15th yet it's december 12th but that's okay we'll take it uh we've got a lot to break down today i'm trevor lane you can find me on twitter at trevor underscore lane joined by keith smith at keith smith nba make sure you check out our clips channel and put a link to that in the description down below and of course subscribe right here to the nba front office show you know we're going to be keeping you informed all the way through trade season keith we got a we've got a lot to, to get into today on the trade board. this is this is wonderful
2: this is it man this is what the front office show is all about this 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 next two months and then then we, we get back into talking more about what's going on on the floor in the playoffs, and then we'll get into the offseason and everything. But, yeah, man, we're hitting one of our tent poles here, the uh, uh, trade deadline. And the, in the lead up to it, I'm super excited. It's it's so funny. I mean, the running joke is the minute either one of us gets in the car to run an errand or do school pickup is when a trade happens. Uh, today, when the, the, the main – uh, piece that we're going to talk about is from Sham Sharani at the Athletic. Uh With all this trade rumor and noise and buzz and all that, I was in the middle of folding laundry, so it's it's always when you're in the middle of some benign wow. task that these uh, that that these big things come out. So, but yeah, I'm psyched, man. This is this is what this is what what our show is like built on is is this sort of stuff. So I'm excited to dive into all of it.
1: Well, this is how ridiculously in sync we are. I had actually just been putting laundry into the washing machine when, when that happened. So uh, we did not plan that, but um, there, there Tag, you go. Hit us up. Hit That's us right. up. Let's go. Hashtag not a sponsor. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Not yet, at least. Not yet. Not yet. Let's change that. Let's change that. Um, let's start with this. My Lakers pursuing Boyan Bogdanovich maybe a little bit ironic i mean they, he dropped 38 on them last <laughs> night he was absolutely fantastic of course we know yeah, i'd like
2: to get him too after that right I,
1: of course i don't think it was just he scored 38 suddenly rob picks up the phone rob polenka picks up the phone and says hey we need this guy <laughs> um but as of right now according to sham's trania the lakers offering an, a protected first round pick plus salaries uh, Mark Stein adding in that the Pistons so far have said no to a protected. They want unprotected first round pick for a 33 year old boy Bogdanovich shooting 44% from three on the season. 21 points per game uh, has three years, including this season under contract though. The final year is only $2 million guaranteed. Uh, can you tell I've already broken this stuff down for, for <laughs> Lakers nation today, uh, next year, looking at about $20 million in in salary. So Keith, when we look at, the outgoing pieces for the Lakers, I instantly jumped to. Well, it must be Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn. You said, "Well, let's let's take a look at the math." What are you thinking here on a potential deal to get Bogdanovich to LA?
2: Yeah, you want to get Bogdanovich You're Basically, you've got to get to about $15.6 million in matching salary. Lakers are a tax team. They'll be a tax team after Bogdanovich trade, barring something crazy unexpected happening here, but before it. So that means that they can do uh, basically 125% of uh, their outgoing salary. So that's about $15.6 million to be able to match on Bogdanovich's $19.55 million. So you're absolutely right. The number one piece in that Patrick Beverly, that's the easiest way to get there. That's 13 million. I think also when we get beyond the math and the cap sheets, that makes sense on the floor. Cause that's in effect, kind of who Bogdanovich would replace mm-hmm. in, in the opening group. I would guess I'm fairly certain they're, they're pretty comfortable with Schroeder now locked in at the starting point guard spot, uh, you slide Walker to the three, which he naturally is a three, or to the two rather, um, right? Yeah. Instead of at the three, and then plug Bogdanovich in at the three. Uh, him and LeBron become essentially interchangeable three-four uh, forwards, and off we go. So I, I think we're in a position there where that is um, makes sense basketball-wise. It also makes sense salary-wise. Now, Kendrick Nunn, yeah, maybe. Um, you've got some options you can go to though, because you can do um, you. You could do Damian Jones, and then one of the minimum guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do you know lots of different looks on this. Obviously Westbrook if you wanted to make the whole deal much bigger and expand it and all that sort of stuff, that that could happen. But I don't think we're going to see anything like that. So none in Beverly probably is what makes the most sense. The Pistons are miles below the tax, uh, so that's not a major concern for them. The Lakers could even throw cash in to cover part of the money they're sending. But, yeah, this one makes a little bit more sense than some of the things we hear where it essentially has to be Russell Westbrook who's part of the trade.
1: Right. Certainly easier to get something done, particularly as we've discussed around the NBA. I don't know if Russell Westbrook's value has changed as far as teams wanting assets added to Russ to get them to take him on his $47 million expiring contract. Whereas to the Lakers, he's actually been a fairly beneficial player coming off the bench for them. Certainly not worth $47 million, but he's at least not been a negative on the floor for them. So I think there's less incentive to move him, particularly if they have to pay to move him. So uh, yeah, definitely a We of... do
2: not give up assets to move exactly. Westbrook at this point. There's no need for that.
1: Exactly. And so with that, I think it makes it less likely we see a, a Russell Westbrook trade more likely. It's something like what we're talking about here. Now, my question though, because I got a little, a little nauseous when I saw unprotected first round pick is what the Pistons want. I, I mean, the Pistons just tra- it doesn't matter as much, but the Pistons just traded Kelly Olenek straight up for, for this guy. Essentially, <laughs> Saban Lee was in the deal as well, and suddenly it's an unprotected first-round pick. I would be extremely cautious if I was the Lakers about throwing in an unprotected first-round pick for a 33-year-old Bogdanovich. I just think that's, that's danger zone when you start talking about a, a future pick like that with no protections on a player that almost certainly will not be on your team when that pick comes due. Yeah,
2: I think we're working with a little bit of different math than when he was traded before because of the just having signed that extension. Uh, with the pistons now you get Those at least an extra year You could get mm-hmm. to uh, that's full Up fully Good under point. team control um, There so that that does change things a little Bit as as opposed to where he was an Expiring deal headed to detroit So that's probably probably a benefit A lot of times we think of these things As well we'd rather have the expiring but not If you're the lakers unless, unless you Know again you'd be sacrificing a chunk Of your cap space next that's year tough. so that has To factor in here too i last Last round of cap space projections i did Um, For for spot track I just did them we're going to be doing these monthly uh, Leading up I have them at now 33.4 million uh, In the offseason so that's You're talking you're taking on 20 million You're not going to be a cap space team now because what happens, just to nerd out a minute here, the minute you drop below the combined amount of your other exceptions, you're not going to be a cap space team because those get added back against your cap space. So that would be the mid-level and the biannual. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would put them back over the cap. So so in this case, you're really looking at it as all right, Bogdanovich plus a first plus the players we'd have to give up. Plus our cap space is that is that worth it is that where we want to go you know for the lakers because now you've kind of sacrificed some if not all your flexibility because the other challenge with russell westbrook that comes in is i've seen a lot of people say well we don't need to have cap space because we can just sign and trade westbrook in the summer well that's not going to be something teams are jumping at doing no. um, teams are not going to be super excited about. Yeah. let's sign and trade Westbrook, you know, for, for this stuff, especially if you don't have stuff to attach to it. And that's where that becomes a little, little bit of a risky proposition as well. So I, I do think it's Bogdanovich is great. I think he fits a lot of what the Lakers need. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that that is the long-term this is it this this guy pushes us in the title contention uh, makes makes us definitely a playoff team but you know if you can get them if you could get him for beverly Nunn in a protected first round pick just in case things go sideways i'd probably be all over that cuz i mean this is a guy 21 points per game and he's basically right knocking on the door of a 50-40 90 season and i don't think his uh shots are going to get any worse playing with LeBron james and no. anthony davis so i i i think uh, i i think he'd be a really really good fit in la
1: yeah he'd be he'd be a great fit there's no question question there um the protected versus unprotected is huge he's going to have many other shooters are going to be other teams you know just big picture trade market there's a lot of teams right now that see themselves as in the mix and not that many teams that are seeing themselves as out of the mix and therefore acting as sellers on the market so that's going to be a factor as well there's going to be competition for these players but um but if you can get bogdanovich you can just give up a, a protected pick yeah, I think I'm for that, depending on what the protections look like. But you just got to be careful with that moving forward. Now, before we move on to the next next topic here, sure. Lonnie Walker, his situation, a lot of Lakers fans are looking at him and saying, this is a guy that we want to try to keep. How would trading for Bogdanovich impact your ability to keep Lonnie Walker as well as Austin Reeves?
2: Yeah, for, for the Lakers, they're only going to have non-bird rights on Walker. So the most they can offer him is 7.7% seven million in next year. So you know, just under eight million dollars um next year's salary. Now, as far as keeping him, as far as paying him, no impact, right? Because you you can go. And that that is Yeah, I should be very clear on this, dude. That's if you're re signing him using those non bird rights. If you're re signing him as using cap space, well, then you can give him whatever amount of cap space
1: space, you
2: have um, that you want to give to Lonnie Walker. But in this case, if you're using the non bird rights, you're going to have to, uh, uh, you're going to be capped at basically $7.8 million. So I think for him, that's, you know, that's interesting, right? And that becomes tricky. Uh, Austin Reeves, they've got, early bird rights on him he could come prey into the arenas provision which we, we, we'll, we'll do a whole separate breakdown Correct. at some point on the arenas provision and on austin reeves and what that looks like because he's a really good example of a guy who could get an arenas offer and put the lakers in a semi-difficult position on deciding what to do but in this case the real barrier is Let's say they get Bogdanovich or somebody else, and that's how they use cap space. It really comes down to is Walker willing to take 7.8 million in first year salary next year. We've seen Bobby Portis, great example, right? Did it did a deal, signed another deal, signed another deal, then rolled into to his bird rights, and then the Bucks took care of him down the line. Yeah. Goran Dragic has done that with the Miami Heat in the past, where all right, I'm gonna take a lot less, and then you're gonna take care of me down the line because you've got my bird rights. So Maybe something like that could happen with him, but the real barrier is what is the Lakers tax limit? Like, what is the upper bounds of this? Is how much we're willing to pay in the tax? And for most teams, unless you're a you know surefire title contender or you're you know super duper deep pocket ownership group, it's about twenty million over the tax is roughly where teams kind of draw a line and say, eh, we don't want to go too much mm-hmm. deeper than that. So that's another thing to keep, keep a little bit of an eye on here. One thing on Bogdanovich too, um, just to, to know, um, James Edwards did kind of a, I don't want to say it was a feature, but he, he, he covers the Pistons for the Athletic. He wrote, Troy Weaver doesn't really want to trade Bogdanovich because they yeah. see him as a leader uh, for the Pistons. That's why I think they're driving kind of a high asking price. But as we always say, it's uh, December 12th. As we're recording this, let's have this conversation. We've got two months to go until the trade deadline.
1: Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of time here before a deal would have to get done. Obviously, for most teams, though, they'd rather see it, especially in the insanely compact Western Conference. They'd rather get deals done sooner rather than later. We'll see what ultimately gives in that situation. Uh, could you go, if you operate as an above-the-cap team, couldn't you just go MLE for Lonnie Walker if that's –
2: yeah, but that but you're probably going to be restricted to the taxpayer Emily, and that'll be less than what you mm. could give them on, on the non bird rights. Right. So that's your, right. your your tricky part there. So I mean, you could, but I, if I was Lonnie Walker, just say, hey, give me that. Let's you know roll me
1: over to early bird next year, and then then, then we yeah. go. and then you can make something happen that would make sense
2: yeah i mean the lakers are they're going to be a very very interesting team to watch because more than a lot of other teams whatever they do now is going to have a massive impact on what they're going to be able to do uh this this summer because i just Mm -hmm. the the westbrook idea of doing a sign and trade with westbrook unless it's for a team that's like you know hey we really liked what he did off the bench for them we think he can be great at 25 million or whatever we're fine with that then maybe that that exists i just don't know that that's a realistic thing to be pinning a ton of hopes on if you're an over the cap team
0: sure sure we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: All right. Um, we've got uh, plenty of other topics. We have one other Lakers topic to get into, but let's spare everybody who's not here for, for <laughs> Lakers and we'll hold off on that one. Let's talk John Collins at the Atlanta Hawks, a player, both you and I are a fan of hasn't shot the ball particularly well this season, no. but um, thought it was interesting. In the Shams piece sounded like there was some certainty that John Collins will finally get moved before yeah. the trade deadline. I know we were talking all kinds of John Collins trades this past summer so what's going on there, and what what are the Hawks even even trying to get in return here?
2: Yeah, I think because it's important, and we're going to talk Jay Crowder in a minute too. Um, this is what Shams wrote, so we're we're, we're not this. – I'm going to read it verbatim for how mm-hmm. he wrote it. In the meantime, and why he's using in the meantime is because he just talked a whole bunch about the Lakers and, and Westbrook and Bogdanovich and all that. And he said, in the meantime, two notable names surely on the market and on the move are Phoenix's Jay Crowder and Atlanta's John Collins, and both you and I both perked up at that and on the yeah. move addition in there because it's not it's not thrown in there for nothing. Now, if it was just Jay Crowder, okay, sure. I think we all know at some point Jay Crowder is going to be traded. At a bare minimum, Jay Crowder will be traded at the trade deadline just because there's no point to not doing it if you're uh-huh. the Suns at that point. Just even if you only got a couple second round picks. Move on, be done, take take those and run. And they're hopeful to get more. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Collins, though, that becomes a little bit more interesting because I don't know that it, we have necessarily felt that's a lock for him to be traded. I think think we've looked at that more as like, all right, they're for year, you know, five in a row or whatever, exploring the trade market. But really, it's like it's that much of a lock that he's going to be dealt. So I found that that very very interesting. Hmm.
1: Yeah, agreed. I thought that was uh, interesting to note uh, that that would be a a thing that that Shams sees as more of a lock that he is going to get moved. Um, Landing spots, uh, the Hawks have several teams, according to Shams, in the Collins market. Utah, Utah is flipped. This is a team we thought would be a seller this season. Now it looks like they may be a buyer. Washington, another team that we've had our eyes on, potentially as a seller, acting perhaps as a buyer here. Uh, more on Washington in a bit, too, in, in regards to Kyle Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooklyn and Dallas, no surprise there with with either of them being buyers. Uh, also noting that Atlanta hasn't shown interest so far in a potential framework that included Joe Harris. Uh, Phoenix is also interested in Collins, but doesn't want to take on his contract. Has uh, four more years remaining on a five-year, $125 million deal. Um Anybody stand out to you as a surprise out of those teams? Utah, Washington, Brooklyn, Dallas, Phoenix as potential suitors?
2: <laughs> well, the Phoenix part, because this is now, I want to say the second or third time this has been mentioned, just yeah. stop then because there's no you can't get the player without taking on his contract. That's right. just getting getting stupid now.
1: So we, I mean, we really... Right. Yeah, but can we yeah. get him without his contract? Is that, yeah, can right? we, hold yeah. you know, I, I want the cheeseburger, hold the pickles. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work that way. That's okay. not, it, you're not ordering at a fast food restaurant, sons. Right. Yeah.
2: That's like <laughs> when I roll into Best Buy this afternoon and I'm like, I really want the hundred inch TV, but I really don't want to pay more than $10 for it. We, we good. <laughs> Are we cool with that. Like, I mean, come on now. Um, But I think the challenge here is with those other teams. Let's use Brooklyn and Dallas first because it's slightly different uh, math for them. They're both tax teams. So, for them, same thing like we talked to the Lakers, it's 125% that they're allowed to offer. So, that's you got to get to about 19 million roughly to match salary on Collins 23.5 million this year. So, with the Nets, kind of funny that the joe harris thing is is even in there because you look and you're like all right well joe harris you know there it is there's 18.6 million you throw him one of the guys on a minimum and off we go Mm -hmm. but if they're not interested so then that turns to all right well where are we going next don't think it's ben simmons right i I can't imagine that would be a thing they would do so then that turns into Seth Curry, Patty Mills, Royce O'Neal,
1: Stacking deals. Uh,
2: you're starting to stack some deals together. Exactly. Cause I don't think Nick Claxton would make a lot of sense. I think you'd want him with Collins. If you were going to be there, Royce O'Neill, that one's a little weird. Cause he's, he's kind of their best wing defender right now, mm-hmm. but maybe you're thinking, all right, well we put O'Neill in a deal with, that's a nice poem right there. Um, put him in a, in a deal with Curry And now we're almost to where we need to be throwing one of the minimum salaries. And now we've got um, to be where we need to, to go get John Collins. Simmons becomes that main wing defender and off we go. I'd be a little bit worried. You're kind of light on shooting, but I don't know that you feel great about O'Neal shooting in your lineup anyway. So there's ways the nets can get there. It just becomes, eh, it's a little harder if they don't want to do Joe Harris. Now that's where, then I instantly go to can we get a third team involved uh-huh. and move Harris off to a third team because I think his shooting would help any number of teams around the league. So we could go there, Dallas they can do a lot of different things because you would start basically anything with Dwight Powell. I assume his expiring contract or Reggie Bullock's he's a pseudo expiring his deals, uh, only partially guaranteed for about 5.5 million next year. So you could throw those guys in the, in the mix, uh, Davis Bertans. If you really wanted to pay with picks that's 16 million. So there there's paths there, um, for both of those teams. It's just, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I see either one of them paying in the end what it's going to take to get John Collins.
1: Yeah, that that's where I keep I keep hitting the wall. Who meets the Hawks asking price to go get John Collins? Who's willing to take on the I mean, the teams teams are reluctant to take on long term deals, with the exception yeah. of you know a number of star level players and things like that. So that that's going to be a factor here. I don't know where he ultimately lands, and that's part of why I was so surprised to see Shams right with certainty that he's going to be moved interesting to see where he ultimately goes. He's a good player. He's talented. I sure. think he could help a lot of places. Um, Let's hone in on, on Dallas for a second though. I, I mean, the Mavs very clearly need a second player with Luka. They've been searching for that guy forever. I don't know if John Collins really checks that box. He can, he can help, but is this the move the Mavs should make or should they be looking to do something bigger if they, if they, maybe they can't.
2: Yeah, I assume if you do John Collins, that means you're closing the door and Christian Wood mm-hmm. coming back to, to Dallas after the season because you probably don't need both of them. That's that's They're not similar players in terms of style of play necessarily, but similar in terms of the production level you're going to get mm-hmm. out of them. Two more offensive-leaning bigs than they are defenders. Two guys who can score, albeit in very different ways. So I just don't know if that's where you go with that. But I think the challenge becomes then it, is is christian wood involved in that trade because do you look at and say hey if we're not re-signing him anyway we took a shot didn't really work the way we wanted we move on from christian wood maybe that's maybe atlanta doesn't want him but again maybe that turns into a three-team construction where he goes somewhere and and the value gets delivered to the hawks elsewhere so that 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 there's reasons why it makes a lot of sense for the Mavs because then you kind of lock in a little bit more certainty Mm -hmm. um, with with the, with the players. I happen to like both Collins and Wood uh, pretty, pretty quite a bit. So I I think, um, you know, I, I don't know that my evaluation of either players, you know, is going to be spot on here. I do wonder with Atlanta though, are they really going to be asking for that high of a price? Because is part of the certainty that he's going to move is we don't really need all that much back. We just hmm. need to we, we want to not that he's a bad contract, but we want to get that deal off the books. Give us a, a shorter, uh, ideally, maybe even expiring deal. Let us reset, rebalance our roster a little bit, get him out of here and off we go. Um, and is that going to be more of the hey, we don't need two first rounders or anything like that for Collins? Because I, I think if you start asking those prices, maybe you don't get there.
1: Did you see the finish to that Hawks uh, Bulls game last night? I did my goodness, it looked like three game winners in a row. Just boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely crazy. incredible stuff.
2: Hey, one thing, let's stick with with this this one too because Washington and Utah are, mm-hmm. are mentioned in here, and let's you do Utah first. Just kind of interesting this is what Danny Ainge does right his team's a little bit better than than what I mean not a little a lot better than what anybody expected uh, maybe we pivot into all right let's go for the playoffs ourselves he's got the contracts he can put together all kinds of ways to go get John Collins that, that would make some sense probably for both sides on, on this and maybe even allows the Hawks to get off another contract if they wanted to mm-hmm. and then I think if you're, you're Ainge you're looking at and saying why not I'll add him to the mix and yeah we'll, we'll throw him out there with some guys we really like, and uh, Laurie Markkinen, and we're, we're, we'll be upset up up front. Up, we'll be set up up front uh, mm-hmm. for you know years to come. You know that, that could could be kind of his thinking here. It's almost similar to what he did with the Celtics back in the day when they got better, and then he's like, yeah, I'll take Isaiah Thomas now.
1: That's interesting. Interesting idea there. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's talk a little bit about the Suns and a potential three-team trade involving Jay Crowder. Now we've been talking Jay Crowder trades. For months, literally, because he hasn't been with the Suns. They've been they've been <laughs> yeah. trying to move him. Um, now we've got Shams saying that you could be looking at a three-team trade that fell apart involving the Houston Rockets, uh, as well as the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, according to Shams, it would have been uh, crowded in Milwaukee, four Bucks second-round picks, uh, plus players. And we can speculate on who, who those players would be to Houston, Eric Gordon, and or... That's an interesting and or like there's yeah. a decent amount of value there. Uh Kenny and Martin Jr. to Phoenix with the holdup being that the Rockets want. Surprise, surprise. A first for Eric Gordon. The Rockets have been trying to get a first for Eric Gordon for what feels like for years. and At least for the to. life of our show. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and for Martin, a very good first rounder, not a batch of second rounders. So. Uh seems like that's kind of where this is, is held up. The Rockets want more than just a bunch of second rounders. They want first. Uh, what do you, where, what's your analysis of this?
2: Uh, two, two parts on this. I think one uh, starting with the Kenya Martin jr. Portion. This tells me they don't have a ton of interest in trading him. Yeah. Um, but they're looking at it as, Hey, we'd rather keep them and keep them keep here. I do think you're running what you're going to run into in Houston very, very quickly is roster spots because they've had so many first-round picks over the last couple of drafts. You're eventually going to run into... You can't roster all these guys. That's Uh kind of what OKC ran into a little bit. And then OKC part of why they were able to remember when they moved up to get a uh, Usman Jang in last year's draft, mm-hmm. they gave up three first rounders. Now they were all protected all with different protections on them, but to move up in that, in that um, draft to get Jang. And part of the reason they did that is twofold is one. This is why you collect a million picks. So we can kind of overwhelm you with volume versus necessarily you know value. But the other piece is, we can't make all these picks. Like there's just, you run out of roster spots. There's only 15 and nobody selected in the first round is letting you put them, stash them on a two way deal. That's, that's never going to happen. So, so you're in a spot where it becomes, all right, well, we we can't make all the picks anyway. So we got to start moving some of them somehow. So that's, that's why I think the rockets are probably looking at this and saying, all right, well, we want to pick back, but unless you're really going to give us a good pick, I don't need your, 15 second round picks like that's that's it's not gonna do a lot for me i can't stash that many guys overseas or in the g league or on my two ways and those kind of things the eric gordon portion i mean why not right it's it's again it's december 12th as we record this just keep keep pushing and see but i think we're down to it now with eric gordon because a big portion of his value lies in that controllability for next year's contract mm-hmm. where it's non-guaranteed. And I can't imagine Houston brings him back, especially not at the number of over 20 million for next year. So I think that turns into, you've got to kind of move him by this trade deadline or just say, all right, it is what it is. We're going to roll with Eric Gordon the rest of the way.
1: Right. Right. I, I would be surprised to see them get a first for him, but yeah. I guess you never, I mean, could that screams like but... two
2: seconds, right? Yeah. Two seconds in yep. a semi-interesting young player. You know, back that that way, like that, that one says, you know, kind of really screams that to me. And the good thing for the Rockets is they're over the cap, but they are about 14 and a half million under the tax. So they've got enough wiggle room because Gordon is 19.5 million. They could take back like 20, 20, 22 million in salary or salaries to mm-hmm. do a trade like that and still be fine because they're not going to end up anywhere near the tax. So I, I think that becomes pretty important. So I think, um, they're they're definitely a team to watch because you've got those couple of guys there but i i find the other parts of this a little more interesting we've we've talked it before crowder just a perfect fit for milwaukee right kind of gives them that pj tucker uh, piece that they haven't had it's just you know what what are what are going to be the players who move if they they get them i know everybody kind of instantly goes to george hill and grayson allen and you know there there it is and Maybe that's what it is. I, I don't get the sense they're jumping at the idea of let's let's just trade Grayson Allen because I think they value his shooting. And Chris mm-hmm. Middleton, he's out again now. It's only a sprained ankle, so it should be a brief thing. But I think they 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 want to make sure they keep some of that depth at that that uh, second you know guard creator spot. And not that Grayson Allen's a great player, but he can do a little bit with the ball in his hands. So I, I am kind of wondering. But maybe Milwaukee's looking at saying hey, he's not going to be a real guy we can play. Deep in the playoff rounds, anyway, because he get, mm-hmm. gets picked on and those kind of things. So, and then the Suns part, like, I mean, like, yeah, if you could say Garrett Gordon, right, that's a you know nice piece for you to have there, and that's a you know good, good, good bench shooter for a guy who's not even on your team right now. So Yeah, it's better yeah. than
1: Jay Crowder yeah. sitting, sitting at home. Exactly. Right. Yep. Um, yep. The Heat and the Hawks also interested in Jay Crowder. Yeah. Um <laughs> that feels like now we're getting into the tale as old as time
2: yep. piece here, but yeah. <laughs> Yep. There is a, I do want to say for anybody who read this article too, there's something in there that is off. Uh, Dwayne Dedman and Victor Oladipo cannot be traded starting Thursday. Uh, Their their deals have to wait till January 15th um, to to be traded because they signed using bird rights uh, for a a big enough raise to trigger the longer waiting period on that. Still be traded, still be traded plenty of time in advance of the trade deadline, but it is not Thursday, uh, as the article states.
1: Ah, oh, look at you checking up on Shams' work there. <laughs> like it? Oh, somebody. Like it. Yeah, I mean, I
2: just you know th- those things will matter because people mm-hmm. are getting all fired up about it. And I I, I, sure. I might already been asked by two different people about that one. So,
1: all right, let's uh, let's jump over to the Washington Wizards. Kyle Kuzma, uh, the more rumblings that he could be on the move. We've seen recently that you know maybe he he might not. I've seen him say that he. You know, he has been able been able to spread his wings in Washington. I've also seen rumors suggesting that he might kind of want out yeah. and want to go to a bigger market, a contender, things like that. Um, what are you doing with him if you're if you're the Wizards? It's been important, averaging over twenty points per game.
2: Yeah, he's said to be one of the best free agents. Uh, on the market th- this summer, just with, with how Willie's played. Um, you know, Anybody suggesting that he's going to opt in, he's not. He's he's going to opt out and either take a ton more money from the Wizards or a lot more money from one of these cap space teams. So makes a lot of sense to, to me for, for him. And it would make sense then if the Wizards are like, all right, if you don't really necessarily want to be here, all right, then maybe we move on. That's why we, we didn't talk about it under the Collins part because I knew we were going to get to Kuzma. Kuzma for Collins could make some sense, right? Uh There there could be something there. I don't know that Kuzma is going to give the Hawks exactly what they need, though. I I worry another guy who needs the ball doesn't really defend all that great. Doesn't give you a whole lot, lot else. And is that going to fix, you know, what you feel like you you're not getting from John Collins? Yeah. He's a better shooter and scorer for sure. I just don't know. You know, he's not a better rebounder and he's not a better defender. So I, I I don't know that, that, that fit seems a little odd to me, but I get it. If you're Washington, you know, I would explore this because by now you've already had conversations on, all right, Hey, what are we looking at? He's not going to extend because he would leave way too much money on the table, right. but you have an understanding of, all right, you're going to opt out this summer. What is it you're looking for? And you know, if you're the wizards where you're willing to go as far as paying him. So, so this one makes some sense why he might be uh, a player to watch moving forward.
1: Yeah. If they're not willing to meet that asking price this summer, or if Kuzma wants to move on, then mm-hmm. you need to look at trades before the, uh, the deadline if you're Washington.
2: And if you're Washington, you've got a factor in. Will Barton needs a new contract. Now, Will Barton has been terrible this year. He's you know having one of the worst years of his career. Um, but you've got to pay, uh, Chris Haps Porzingis may opt out, uh, you know, and he's actually put together a pretty good year. If you're thinking about keeping Rui Hachimura, uh, he, he's somebody you need to look at. And then Daniel Gafford, he makes $1.9 million this year. But remember, he signed that early extension. So mm-hmm. he makes $12.4 million next season. So that that's a big number. And that, that's a pretty big jump, you know, when you're talking a $10 million jump in salary, that, that becomes something where, all right, Now you're no longer the super bargain that you were. And he's been vacillating between out of the rotation to playing spot minutes behind uh us up front, so that that's another thing you get to factor in. Uh, that roster is not as uh, clean as it might be, considering you've got some major uh, guys' contracts coming up too.
1: And of course, the 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 big overarching question for Washington is what's going to happen with Bradley Beal. Yeah. Um, is, some, is something is something going to brew on the trade front? There, remember, no trade clause, so that will likely go a long way towards determining what the other decisions are. For the wizards. So yeah, that 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 kinda wins over everything.
2: And that's a real no trade clause. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that's not a it's not one of these one year no trade clauses which a handful of guys have around the league. That that is a real no trade clause where he basically can say, Nah, I'm good. I don't want to go. I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there and uh, block block it and just just stick around. So that's uh, you know so something else. Yeah, you got to keep an eye on with them and they they've slipped. Hey, I want to say they've lost. Let me look it up. Yeah, they've lost six in a row. They were eleven and ten, and now they're down eleven and sixteen. They're down. Uh, Getting, getting close to the Magic Hornets and Pistons at the bottom of the conference, kind of mirroring last year, right? They get out to mm-hmm. that you know really good start, and then it kind of fell apart and crumbled on them. But this year, I think you can maybe look at it So maybe a little bit more injury related. Uh, so you know, hopefully, get Beal back in the lineup and get some of these guys going, and you can pick it back up and be in the playoff play play in mix, I should say, not playoff, but play in mix, and maybe. But I don't, I don't know. It's 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 a tough tough road for. Washington.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Yeah, they're definitely going to be a team to watch that may, as much as we've talked the Bulls and them potentially deciding to pull the plug, the Wizards are another team definitely to keep an eye on Mm -hmm. or for that. Uh, Let's bookend everything with Lakers. Uh, It's not just Bogdanovich. Could be interested. Have had talks uh, on Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier. Cam Reddish, the one that got away, uh, the infamous (laughs) trade deadline deal, three-team deal with the Raptors and Knicks that fell apart at the trade deadline last year. Evan Fournier, once again, never Google, but um, he is uh, under contract for this season and next season, has a, I believe it's a team option on a third year. Yep. Um, Both of these guys out of the rotation, but Lakers have had talks with the Knicks on on both of them. Uh, What are your thoughts on on these? Like very different caliber of player compared to Bogdanovich when we're talking about. Evan Fournier and, and Cam Reddish here,
2: yeah, not as clean as the Lakers are making a decision between the two. It's it's mm-hmm. not like the 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 you know, Rob Plink and crew are deciding. You know, should we get Reddish or Fournier or, or Bogdanovich? But if they were Bogdanovich all day long, uh, for me, I don't even think it's uh, that that's of even course. a real question, right? I, I just I don't get the Cam Reddish stuff. Like I, I mean, he's he's fine. He's, Wait, he's clutch. He, he, what? Yeah. Well, there is that. I think but, that's, I, but that's part of it. Yeah. No, and that's definitely true. But he's 23 now. This isn't. He's not like 20 years old anymore. Where it's like, all right, you know, he may really still pop and turn into something. Like, it's not that he's a finished product by any means. But I don't know. Just, he's he's never stayed healthy. Never been all that great when he's been on the floor. And part of that, I think, has been the injuries, the role, the mm-hmm. inconsistency. But the Knicks gave him a starting job this year, and he couldn't couldn't hang on to it. He lost it. Uh, now he's completely out of the rotation. So if I was the Lakers, I mean, I, yeah, for me, the challenge comes in, in no way am I giving up anything approaching even a single unprotected first-round pick for these two guys. Like, that'd be absolute. That, that's – yeah, and then I really have to think long and hard. Is, are these the guys I want to sacrifice my cap space for for next summer? Because for sure. 48, 18 you know, million into next year, and then Reddish needs a new contract. It needs to be resigned. So there it is. Your cap space is completely gone. I, the, the, I'd, I'd probably – this is a stay away for me from the Lakers side. And I think the Knicks, they're going to have to eventually imagine – Either say, uh, we're going to take back some questionable money if we're going to attach Reddish to Fournier, and we're kind of, you know, you take ours, we'll take yours, and we'll both move on. Or you got to pull Red- Reddish. is not a sweetener to Fournier. Just because he needs paid, I just don't see teams jumping at it. It's yeah. like, oh, this is great. I mean, it's not – It's I think there's a sense out there is it's almost like throwing in a first-round pick on top of getting rid of Fournier, but it isn't. Reddish doesn't have that kind of value
1: anymore. No. Well, and that's, that's where I'm wondering if that's where where this is, really. You know, if the Lakers the Lakers are interested in, in Reddish, they have been for a while. If the price is low enough, sure, you can take sure. a flyer. But we've heard the Knicks want to attach Reddish to Fournier and use him as that sweetener to get rid of Fournier. And that's where, it, like you said, the opportunity cost for the Lakers is simply too high to take those guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too biased here, but when I look at the deal and I look at the money involved, like if the Lakers were to offer pure expirings for these two guys, I would expect the Knicks to be the team to have to kick something in. Now, I don't know that New York sure. would want to do that, but just yeah. the amount of money you're taking on, that, that seems to make sense for two non-rotation guys.
2: Yeah. Now, if if the Lakers could get Reddish by himself – that's different like Kendrick none that's different yeah do that because then you you get to see Reddish for the rest of the season make your own decision do we think he fits and and go and you know off we go and that'd be fine and that that's a you could do that you know even if you did none in a uh you know a crappy second rounder I imagine they probably have some extra second rounder that's not very good um I'm not going to look it up right now but if you could do that great you know then then by all means but yeah I, I just i don't know i'm not giving up much of value especially the play of i i don't know this, this is where maybe this is where i become too much of a cap space nerd but i want the cap space over oh, yeah. reddish and fournier next year um I, I will say too with on the the Nick side of this i wonder too if this is one where they let it go to do, do are you gonna be too stubborn for too long? Yeah. And then you kind of run out of options at, at the end, and it turns into, well, now there's nothing left. So I guess we're just gonna gotta ride it out. And again, if you're not gonna resign Cam Reddish, this turns into we got to move it. And the last thing I'll say on this is this kind of to tie it back to what we talked about with Bogdanovich at the beginning of the show. Past pricing cost needs to be taken out of future. Value because mm-hmm. I've seen and read some stuff from people who cover the Knicks with the Knicks gave up a first round pick for Cam Reddish a year ago. So they can't, they don't feel like they can well you you can't double down on making a bad mistake. Just because right. you gave up a first-round pick doesn't mean you're getting one back. Um, and it's the same thing with Bogdanovich, right? But in a different way, just cause the Pistons got him for relatively nothing. Doesn't mean that's what he's worth to them now, right? Like it's, right. They're, they're gonna get something back better than what well what they got. And I think that was just a case of Danny Ainge saying, Hey, I can get a guy I clearly like in Kelly Olenek, and I can clear things up and get Bogdanovich off to a different spot. My guess is with how quickly he extended after. There was some pre-knowledge of like, hey, we can do an extension after you're you're traded here. And they, they got that done. But that to me makes like I said before, makes him more valuable than if he was an expiring and could just jump. So that's where it starts to turn into all right, we're we're in some different spots now with these guys. And, and what you paid previous, that that doesn't really matter anymore. That's that's out right. the window. And it's about where are we at today.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Great point, great point, and a good way to to finish off our, our show here. Um, this was this is fun. We've yeah. got all kinds of tra- – And I'm Love expecting it. more of this. I got we to do get- math. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We get to do all kinds of fun stuff, and yeah. we get to do all that. Uh, of course, February 9th is the trade deadline, so plenty of time for all of this stuff to kind of play out. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Trevor, make can certain- I make a prediction? Yeah. I know you like when
2: I make predictions. Ooh, I like it. So trade season unofficially opens on December 15th. Within yeah. one week – of trade season opening, we will have a trade and it'll be a meaningful trade. It won't be some minor salary dump thing. Like we see at the trade deadline, it'll be, I'm not going to say it's going to swing the finals, but we're going to get a meaningful trade uh, by, I'm going to say by just by December 22nd. So 10 days
1: Christmas indeed.
2: Yeah. I, I just, the last four seasons, we've gotten one within, within a month of the, the the trade window opening the, the one year is a little wonky because right because we started the season in November so it you know right. was everything things. was a little bit off but it's uh yeah th- that's my guess is we're we're gonna get a trade within within the first week of of all these guys freeing up and uh be being able to be moved. So that's the, there's my prediction for us.
1: All right. I like it. I like it. Bring the trades bring the fun. Let's go. Make sure you are subscribing to the NBA Front Office Show. Stay up to date with all of the trade talks around the NBA. Turn on notifications as well. Of course, if you're listening to the podcast version, make sure you're following us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.